Welcome to Keep the Faith Ministry. Keep the Faith brings you timely messages with in-depth spiritual analysis of current events in light of Bible prophecy so you can prepare for the coming of Jesus. Listen to what the news won't tell you. Here is another important message for our times. This is Pastor Hal Mayer. Dear friends, welcome to Keep the Faith. Thank you for joining me today as we look at Scripture to explain the demise of Western society and the crumbling ruins we see developing all around us. Thank you for your gifts and prayer support. They mean much as we enter the period of time just before Jesus comes, when society will collapse and everything we know will and take for granted will be turned upside down. We need to have a faith that will not flinch, though everything seems to be against it. We have some serious things to think about today as we study. This month, we break from our series on the Exodus as we study the, the irrevocable change in society that is ta- about to take place. We will experience enormous stress if we don't understand our times and have our anchor in Christ. We will get back to our study on the Exodus next month. I have a special offer for you today. Liberty of Conscience Threatened is a DVD set that is recorded by Pastor Stephen Boer, Pastor Hal Mayer, and Pastor Isaac Alichunji. They give a good background as to why we are going to see the breakdown of freedom, particularly religious freedom, in the near future. They are a 10 program set on DVD that emphasized the issues we face in religious liberty. They were recorded in the Glendale Filipino Seventh-day Adventist Church. They sell for $29.99 retail, but I will let you have them for $19.99. Just call our office with your order at 540-672- Three five five three. Also, Last Generation Magazine is developing a new issue on the Mark of the Beast entitled The Mark. Many people wonder what the Mark of the Beast is, and much false information circulates about it. But you can't know what the Mark is unless you first identify who is the Beast. The Last Generation editorial team has been collaborating with Pastor Steve Wahlberg and other talented writers to carefully lay out from Scripture who the beast is and who his accomplices are and what his mark entails. They plan to send this issue to press in the first part of April. Teresa, the last generation sales and subscription manager, can help you with a variety of ways that you can use this magazine for witness, from zip code mailings to sponsoring subscriptions or to buying packs or cases for distribution in your neighborhood or town. Contact 
the sales and subscription office at 540-672-5672 or visit their website at lastgen.net for more information. You can always count on Last Generation to give you great articles, attractive and relevant design, and great prices. As we begin our study today, let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we come to you as little children, seeking to understand the chaotic world we find ourselves living in. Through the scriptures, we hope to find the answers to the nagging questions as to why these things are happening and where we are in the stream of time. Please show us things from your word that will inspire us with hope in the solid rock of Scripture and the unchangeable principles of your law. Thank you for your angels that protect your people, and thank you for the Holy Spirit who promises to be with us as we study. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 21, 25, and 26. These verses tell us with pinpoint accuracy some events that fulfill prophecy and links us to what is happening now and shows us what will be happening in the very near future. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming upon the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. What does perplexity mean? It means a person is baffled with uncertainty and confusion. But it means more than that. It is the inability to deal with or understand something complicated or unaccountable. Do you think most people have the capability to understand current events in their true setting or the unaccountable things that lead the nation to senseless wars? Can they really understand the strife and commotion in the streets of the big cities? Do they comprehend the pressure that is coming upon society that will tear it apart? Our society is on the verge of collapse, and most people are dead asleep, buried in selfish pleasure and drowning out the voices that are screaming at them from every place and from every side. They keep themselves drunk with entertainment, music, alcohol and drugs, and much more subtle influences to which they are oblivious. They want to be left alone, and they vainly hope the government will bail them out. They try to bury themselves and drown out the unwelcome noise, and anybody that disturbs their peace is viewed as an enemy. The virus disturbed them. It was an invisible plague that scared them somewhat. And most people were ready to do anything, including social distance, accelerate virtual everything, wear masks, and gladly take a vaccine. But will that bring back normal, like travel, large conventions, 
normal gatherings in church services? Can families have birthday gatherings together? Can they be with their loved ones when a personal crisis strikes? We are told by hundreds of pundits that everything will get back to normal soon. But I've got some difficult news for you. The chaotic world in which we live is not returning to normal. It is the new normal. Oh, we might lose the masks and social distancing, but will the good times ever return? Not likely. But that is not the end of it. I'm sorry to tell you. The world is going to become more chaotic, more violent, and more dangerous. If you live in a big city, you will see unprecedented upheaval and violence, and you are trapped. Just try to get out and live in the country. It's essentially too late. Millions of people have bought homes in the country or small towns last year alone, and it shows no signs of slowing down. They moved out of the city to where they believe it is safer and where they feel not so crowded and vulnerable. And it isn't going to stop just yet. People who can afford it are still trying to move to the country, even if they have to build. Now homes in small towns and in the country are expensive, as the prices have been driven up by the relentless hordes of people looking for a safe haven for their families from the disease, chaos, and violence concentrated in the cities. They are quietly panicking, and like buying toilet paper, the shelf life for a mid-range or lower-priced home is just a few days until it's under contract, sometimes sight unseen. The average time on the market for a typical home is down to a record 16 days from 28 days. The saying of Christ is true. People are perplexed. They don't know exactly what is coming, but they sense that it's not going to be good. They are feeling a certain underlying foreboding and uncertainty about the times and that things have changed and changed forever. They don't know what to make of it, and they can't grasp all of it. They just want to be safe. So they are getting themselves and their families where they think they will be more secure and more protected. Yet many of God's people remain in the cities. They have invested in their homes and jobs, and they can't just leave them right now anyway because it is too difficult and inconvenient, not to mention expensive. But Jesus said in Luke 16, 8, For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Construction prices are up as well. But that hasn't stopped people from buying land and building. Millions of people saw the handwriting on the wall and decided it was time to make their move. The pundits are prophesying, saying, It's just a temporary thing. Somehow, I think reality is far different. We're at the end of time, 
and the Holy Spirit is being withdrawn from the earth. I think the window of time has largely passed to leave the cities. If you are in this city and not well advanced in your plans to get out, chances are it is too late. Just try to sell your place. God has been warning his people for years not to establish themselves in the city. Did they pay attention? They disobeyed his voice and stayed in the city anyway for economic advantage, the culture, or the convenience. What makes them think that God will somehow miraculously help them now when they have disobeyed his voice for years? And it will take a miracle of God to find a place to move to now that's affordable. And a miracle it will be if it happens. This is from Country Living, page 9. It was written in 1909, over a hundred years ago. The time is fast coming when the controlling power of the labor unions will be very oppressive. Again and again, the Lord has instructed that our people are to take their families away from the cities into the country where they can raise their own provisions. For in the future, the problem of buying and selling will be a very serious one. We should now begin to heed the instruction given us over and over again. Get out of the cities into rural districts where the houses are not crowded closer together and where you will be free from the interference of enemies. You see, my friends, if you own a house in the city, chances are that the price has dived to where you can't sell it anymore because you have more debt on it than it is worth. That's called underwater. If you do sell it, you won't have enough to buy a house in the country. You may have a home that's free and clear or that's not under the water in today's market. Sell it and move out. God may still have some mercy for you if you repent of not following his instructions and sincerely do what you can to get yourself out of the city. You may have to be dirt poor, like Lot when he left Sodom, but you have made the move, and maybe your salvation will have been secured as well. From the same page, listen. In harmony with the light given me, I am urging people to come out from the great centers of population. Our cities are increasing in wickedness, and it is becoming more and more evident that those who remain in them unnecessarily do so at the peril of their soul's salvation. Most of God's people don't have a necessity to live in the city anymore. Do you think that God wasn't serious when he gave those thoughts to his messenger? Your salvation is involved as well. But whatever you do, you can't sit down and do nothing. You've got to make a determined plan now. And I've got more bad news for you. You had better brace yourselves. We are in for rough times. We are headed for the most dramatic shift in our standard of living we have ever seen. 
we are being assured that we don't have to be concerned about inflation because the government has everything under control. Do you believe them? The U.S. dollar has been steadily declining in value for a long time, and most of us have gotten accustomed to it. But over the past 12 months, an enormous change has taken place. Instead of devaluing our currency a little bit at a time, now our leaders are going to make it happen very fast. It's called the Great Reset. It is what happened before World War II to the Weimar Republic. Our money supply is growing at an exponential rate, and this is becoming a major national crisis for most nations. But you don't hear about that in the mainstream media. They are in cahoots with the globalist elites. It took almost 250 years, all the way to 2020, for America to reach $4 trillion in debt. But then, from the start of the pandemic to today, America's debt has expanded from $4 trillion to $18 trillion. And other countries have done the same thing. The truth is that it was organized by the globalist elites who don't have your best interests in mind. We are going to literally pay a huge price for such intentional loose spending. Sadly, inflation is already starting to take its toll on the economy. And the Biden administration is adding to the pain by buying into the climate change idolatry through bringing America back into the Paris Agreement canceling a major oil pipeline project and forcing gasoline prices up dramatically. And this, too, is a worldwide phenomenon. Have you noticed gasoline or petrol prices lately? Gas prices have been climbing at the pump for the past few weeks. And so have agricultural commodities. They have risen by 50% over the past year, they are increasing because of poor U.S. crop yields and demand from importing nations to replenish supplies. You are already feeling the pain at the grocery store as those prices are passed along. And over time, you'll be paying a lot more for groceries at your local supermarket. But authorities assure us that prices will stabilize once the economy returns to normal. And the price of food is not the only goods that are rising. Lumber prices have increased more than 180% since last spring. And this price hike has caused the price of an average new single-family home to increase by $24,000 in the United States since April 17, 2020. That is some serious inflation. But in spite of the actual reality, experts at the Fed insist that those that are warning of hyperinflation have just crazy ideas. They have everything under control. Hmm. Over the course of the past year, our leaders have pumped trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars into the system.
And all of that money devalues the money in the system already. Currencies around the world are being transformed into toilet paper money. Remember Germany just before World War II? And we're already at the point of no return. At least if your paychecks were rising as fast as the cost of living, your family could be able to keep up with the escalating prices. But of course, that is not happening. And more of us are falling out of the middle class with each passing day. In fact, vast numbers of formerly middle-class people no longer have jobs at all. And the government bailouts, known as the Paycheck Protection Plan, or JobKeeper Payments, or similar names in different countries, are going to stop soon, if not already. Just in America alone, there are roughly 10 million fewer jobs than there were last year in February before the crisis began. Other countries face similar numbers. Home evictions may dominate the news cycle this year, and people won't be able to pay for higher-costing goods. Just getting enough money to buy food will be difficult for some. And people will panic. When that happens, there is no telling what people will do, especially in the cities. There will be dangerous and deadly violence and crime over a loaf of bread. Theft will increase. The truth is that in whatever country you live in, our economies are broken. And the only solution the rulers have is to print, borrow, and spend even more money. This is a perfect storm, my friends. As prices soar into the atmosphere, life is going to become increasingly difficult for some people. If your income does not rise as fast as prices are going up, your standard of living will go down dramatically. Of course, you will not be the only one. The vast majority of us are about to experience a dramatic shift in the standard of living. And most of the population doesn't even realize what is happening. They don't want to know. They think more government support is on the way. And most of them are absolutely thrilled about it. But all of this printing, borrowing, and spending has put America and other nations on the path to national economic suicide. As America continues to recklessly destroy the value of its mm -hmm. currency, other nations will begin to realize that a move to a different reserve currency is bad badly needed. And when that happens, investors will dump U.S. dollars, and there will be a crisis like we have never seen before in the dollar-dominated fiat currency system. We are not going back to the good old days, my friends. We are so very close to the economic endgame. Unfortunately, most people have absolutely no idea what is rapidly overtaking us. They don't see or understand what is going to happen or what is just ahead of us. As events spin out of control, they will not be able to cope anymore. They will be overwhelmed 
with their emotions and will do some bizarre things. Some will respond with fear and frustration and could become violent. Others will sink into depression, anxiety, and despair. As their societies are ripped apart and torn from their shallow moorings, God's people need to have assurance that their fragile ship will make it through the storm. Their only assurance is found in their loyalty to Scripture. And what an assurance it is! Psalm 91 is a clear testament to God's care for his children. Listen to verses 1 through 4. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. And yes, things are going to get difficult. And if you get absorbed in the things of this world and you can't let go of your ambitions and dreams and fix instead them on heavenly things, you will be profoundly disappointed. I thank God for the Bible. It gives us a clear picture of what to expect and it gives us the principles of avoiding the trouble. But troublous times are rapidly closing in on us. There will be great perplexity for those who are not students of the word. The most chaotic time ever will come just before Jesus returns for his people. There will be war, earthquakes, famines, and pestilences. As his Holy Spirit is gradually withdrawn and his restraining hand is no more holding in check the forces of evil, the world will again spin more out of control. But God's protection will still be on those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. But the world will be one vast cauldron of distress and violence. Listen to the description of the end time, just before Jesus comes again. It's from Last Day Events, page 112. God is withdrawing his spirit from the wicked cities, which have become as the cities of the antediluvian world, as Sodom and Gomorrah. Costly mansions, marvels of architectural skill, will be destroyed without a moment's notice when the Lord sees that the owners have passed the boundaries of forgiveness. The destruction by fire of the stately buildings supposed to be fireproof is an illustration of how in a short time earth's architecture will lie in ruins. So toward the end of time, the magnificent buildings of the large cities that seemed so strong and stable and have stood for many years will totter and shake and be destroyed under the judgments of God by fire, flood, earthquake, volcano, and war. 
He will change his dealings with men, wicked men, suddenly. This is the counsel uh, from Counsels to Parents, Teachers, and Students, page 415. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Nahum 1.3 Oh, that men might understand the patience and long-suffering of God. He is putting under restraint his own attributes. His omnipotent power is under the control of omnipotence. Oh, that men would understand that God refuses to be wearied out with the world's perversity and still holds out hope of forgiveness even to the most undeserving. But his forbearance will not always continue. Who is prepared for the sudden change that is that will take place in God's dealings with sinful man? Who is prepared to escape the punishment that will certainly fall upon transgressors. Last Day Events, page 24, reveals that the, in the last scenes of this earth's history, war will rage. There will be pestilence, plague, and famine. The waters of the deep will overflow their boundaries. Property and life will be destroyed by fire and flood. We should be preparing for mansions that Christ has gone to prepare for them that love him. Do you think the coronavirus pandemic was bad? You haven't seen anything yet. That was just a warm-up. Much more deadly pandemics will rage and kill many more people than ever before. You can sense that the Holy Spirit's restraining power is being withdrawn. From Manuscript Releases, Volume 3, page 312, we are told, God has not restrained the powers of darkness from carrying forward their deadly work of vitiating the air, one of the sources of life and nutrition, with a deadly miasma. Not only is vegetable life affected, but man suffers from pestilences. And from Testimonies to the Church, Volume 7, page 83, we read, The time is near when the large cities will be visited by the judgments of God. In a little while, these cities will be terribly shaken. No matter how large or how strong their buildings and no matter how many safeguards against fire may have been provided, let God touch these buildings, and in a few minutes, or in a few hours, they are in ruins. Here is what we are told regarding the magnitude of what we see now from Manuscript Releases, Volume 4, page 445. These things are the result of the drops from the vials of God's wrath being sprinkled upon the earth and are but faint representations of what will be in the near future. So the things we see now are but drops from the vials of God's wrath. What will be the destruction when God's wrath is actually poured out on the wicked? These are but mere warnings of what is coming. I'll read on. 
Earthquakes in various places have been felt, but these dis disturbances have been very limited. Very limited? What will an unlimited earthquake look like? Reading on. This year we may expect to have more. During the year that just closed, whole cities have become ex nearly extinct. Thousands of people have been buried in the bowels of the earth. Premonitory convulsions have been felt in many places, giving warning of what may come as a surprise when the earth shakes and opens. Terrible shocks will come upon the earth. The lordly palaces erected at great expense will certainly become heaps of ruins. The earth's crust will be rent by the outburst of elements concealed in the bowels of the earth. These elements, once broken loose, will sweep away the treasures of those who for years have been adding to their wealth by securing large possessions at starvation prices from those in their employ. And the religious world, too, is to be terribly shaken, for the end of all things is at hand. Friends, this is describing the storm of God's wrath upon those who have transgressed his law and taught others to do so. And it will fall especially on the great cities. But all the countryside will be affected to one degree or another. While the judgments of God are not universal, they are seen by all. It is, all, again, a perfect storm. From Manuscript Releases, Volume 21, page 86 and 87, comes this statement. Light has been given me that as we near the close of Earth's history, we shall have the scenes of San Francisco's calamity repeated in other places. And I do want to gather strength that I may be able to stand before the people and bear a clear, decided testimony. The period of time in which we are living is a solemn one. We had quite a shaking up in our houses here at home. Chimneys were thrown down, but no great damage was done. The printing plant at Mountain View suffered considerably. The side and back walls of the factory were shaken down. The front remained standing. The new post office building, just finished, was a complete wreck, and some large store buildings were also in ruins. Several other buildings in Mountain View were twisted and broken in pieces, more or less. In San Jose, very many of the buildings were ruined, and many chimneys were thrown down. These things make me feel very solemn, because I know that the judgment day is right upon us. The judgments that have already come are a warning, not the finishing, of the punishment that will come on the wicked cities. Our cities are most terrible places where in our practice all kinds of sin and iniquity in the most revolting character, the Lord's name is greatly dishonored. San Francisco in ruins is the most complete, 
thorough and awful calamity I have ever looked upon. In the night season, I have had many presentations of the judgment of God coming upon our cities, and now I can understand better the real meaning of these scenes that I have witnessed. These scenes will soon be witnessed just as they are clearly described. The prophecies recorded in the Old Testament are the word of the Lord for the last day and will be fulfilled as surely as we have seen the desolation of San Francisco. Will anybody of men bring upon themselves the displeasure of the Lord by framing a law for the obedience of a spurious Sabbath and then compelling obedience to this law? Will they insult God by profaning his holy day, assuming authority as God's to exalt the first day of the week to be observed by all? How can men set aside the true Sabbath when they know that God came to our world and from Sinai's mount and in awful grandeur proclaimed his law to be observed in commemoration of the day he had ordained as the day of rest, a day ever to be kept as a memorial of God as the creator of the heavens and of the earth. He made the world in six days and rested on the seventh day and was refreshed. He sanctified the seventh day because that in it he had rested. He instituted the Sabbath as a memorial, pointing to the fact that he was the creator of the world, the monarch of the universe. The Lord has given to men the day that he has chosen to be observed by all the world and regarded as a sacred rest day. Here is a description of the San Francisco earthquake in 1906 that explains in a very small way the suffering and destruction that took place in the city. It is from Wikipedia. On the morning of April 18, 1906, a massive earthquake shook San Francisco, California. Though the quake lasted less than a minute, its immediate impact was disastrous. The earthquake also ignited several fires around the city, that burned for three days and destroyed nearly 500 city blocks. Despite a quick response from the city's large military population, the city was devastated. The earthquake and fires killed an estimated 3,000 people and left the half of the city's 400,000 residents homeless. Aid poured in from around the country and the world, but those who survived faced weeks of difficulty and hardship. The survivors slept in tents in city parks and the Presidio, stood in long lines for food, and were required to do their cooking in the street to minimize the threat of additional fires. The San Francisco earthquake was considered one of the worst natural disasters in U.S. history. You may think that today we have better buildings made to withstand earthquakes, 
But who can know the power of God when he comes out of his place to deal with the wicked? It will happen suddenly and unexpectedly. Listen to Micah 1, 2-7. Hear, all ye people, hearken, O earth, and all that therein is, and let the Lord God be witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For, behold, the Lord cometh forth out of his place, and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth, and the mountains shall be molten under him, and the valleys shall be cleft as wax before the fire, and the waters that are poured down a steep place. For the transgression of Jacob is all this, and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? Therefore I will make Samaria as a heap of the field, and as the plantings of a vineyard. And I will pour down the stones thereof into the valley, and I will discover the foundations thereof. And all the graven images thereof shall be beaten into pieces, and all the hires thereof shall be burned with fire, and all the idols thereof will I lay desolate. For she gathered it of the hire of an harlot, and they shall return to the hire of an harlot. The world is rushing on in wickedness and moral corruption. The defiance of God is astonishing and bold. Scholars, educators, scientists boldly stand on evolution, which has no place for God. People live in lifestyles that are forbidden in Scripture. The popular idea is that God loves everyone and that he will not punish wickedness. The enemy is working to bring the chaos of the French Revolution on the whole world. And listen to this familiar statement from Education, page 228. At the same time, anarchy is seeking to sweep away all law, not only divine law, but human the centralizing of wealth and power, the vast combinations for the enriching of the few at the expense of the many, the combinations of the poorer classes for the defense of their interests and claims, the spirit of unrest, of riot and bloodshed, the worldwide dissemination of the same teachings that led to the French Revolution, all are tending to involve the whole world in a struggle similar to that which convulsed France. What was the convulsion? It was a breakdown of society. As the 18th century drew to a close, France's costly involvement in the American Revolution and the extravagant spending by King Louis XVI and his predecessor had left the country on the brink of bankruptcy. Not only were the royal coffers depleted, leaving them many poor without support, but two decades of poor harvest, drought, cattle disease, and skyrocketing 
bread prices had kindled much unrest among peasants and the urban poor. Many expressed their desperation and resentment toward a regime that imposed heavy taxes, yet failed to provide any, any relief by rioting, looting, and striking. People got so upset with the oppressive government that they rioted and began the killing. The bloodshed was enormous. As various factions gained power on one day, wreaking their vengeance on a rival faction, then that faction gaining power the next day, only to avenge the wrongs that had been done to them the previous day. Our fiendish enemy delights to see this. Everything broke down, law and order, justice and the courts, and even the military divided into factions. Families turned on each other. Transportation, such as it was, broke down. There were food shortages, and indeed the welfare state was unable to function, and people were left with nothing. Do you have any idea what it will be like when the whole world is convulsed like France was? Like with the French Revolution, the violence started in the city of Paris, so it has started in the big cities. In the French Revolution, it spread to the countryside. So today, when the revolutionary fervor and enthusiasm gains a foothold, it will spread to the countryside as well. Radicals eventually stormed the royal residence and arrested the king and condemned him to death by guillotine. And like the French Revolution, the mantra of today's popular movement is equality. And every pronoun and descriptive word, it seems, is turned on its head and given a definition that was unknown before. It seems like we are almost at the French Revolution again, as I have been warning is coming for years. The radicals also gain control of the new National Assembly. They instituted a series of radical measures, including the establishment of a new calendar and the eradication of Christianity. Does that sound familiar? Like something happening today? Radicals also unleashed the bloody reign of terror, a 10-month period in which suspected enemies of the revolution were guillotined by the thousands. Many of the killings were carried out under orders from their radical leader, Robespierre who dominated the Draconian Committee of Public Safety until his own execution on July 28, 1794. Over 17,000 French people were tried and executed during this period, many of whom were condemned on frivolous charges or flimsy evidence. An untold number died in prison, amid terrible conditions awaiting trial. Will this be the new norm under woke culture or similar movements? The equality movement of woke culture it has zero tolerance for any opposition, 
If you're not an ally, you're an enemy. If you don't support wokeism, you are canceled. You have no voice. A second civil war, my friends, is brewing. It won't be two armies in uniform, but a conglomeration of people on two sides of the political and social divide. Could they take up arms? Many of them are well equipped. Canceling, as it is called, is a coldly calculated strategy implemented with malice and forethought. The goal isn't just to persuade. Social excommunication, media deplatforming, the trashing of venerable traditions doesn't seek to reform institutions or promote social improvement. Rather, the point is to destroy every traditional religious, social, and political institution judged guilty of constructing Western civilization toward the end of rebuilding society in the image of woke. The enemy of mankind would like to see that, wouldn't he? Political tensions are at an all-time high. The intensity of the division has me worried for God's people. God has some counsel for us. It is found in Christ's Object Lessons, page 170. The time is near when he will say, Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood, and shall no more cover her slain. Isaiah twenty six twenty and 21. Men who claim to be Christians may now defraud and oppress the poor. They may rob the widow and fatherless. They may indulge their satanic hatred because they cannot control the consciences of God's people. But for all this, God will bring them into judgment. They shall have judgment without mercy, and that have showed no mercy. James 2.13 Not long hence they will stand before the judge of all the earth to render an account for the pain they have caused to the bodies and souls of his heritage. They may now indulge in false accusations. They may deride those whom God has appointed to do his work. They may consign his unbelieving ones to prison, to the chain game, to banishment, to death. But for every pang of anguish, every tear shed, they must answer. God will reward them double for their sins. Concerning Babylon, the symbol of the apostate church, he says to his ministers of judgment, her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Reward her as she rewarded you, and double unto her double, according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled, fill to her double. Revelation 18, 5 and 6. From India, from Africa, from China, from the islands of the sea, 
from the downtrodden millions of so-called Christian lands, the cry of human woe is ascending to God. That cry will not long be unanswered. God will cleanse the earth from its moral corruption, not by a sea of water as in Noah's day, but by a sea of fire that cannot be quenched by any human devising. There shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time they, thy people shall be delivered, and every one that shall be found written in the book. What do you think the time of trouble will look like? How about this? War with no end in sight? Famine with no relief in sight? like the times of Elijah, distress of nations and no way to solve their financial and social problems, perplexity and stress. These are the things that the Bible predicts. They are coming, my friends. In Habakkuk 2, 1-3, we read, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon a tower, and I will watch to see what he will say unto me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. The Lord answered me and said, Write a vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak, and not lie. Though it, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. It will not tarry beyond the appointed time. Look at verse 17. For the violence of Lebanon shall cover thee, and the spoil of beasts which made them afraid because of men's blood, and for the violence of the land, of the city, and of all that dwell therein. Friends, this is Habakkuk talking about our time the end times. We can expect that to come in the near future. Listen to what the Lord says through the end time prophet, Zephaniah, about this time in chapter 1, 2, and 3. I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the fowls of the heaven and the fishes of the sea, and the stumbling blocks with the wicked. And I will cut off man from off the land, saith the Lord. Verse 6 and 8. And them that are turned back from the Lord, and those that have not sought the Lord, nor inquired for him, and it shall come to pass in the day that of the Lord's sacrifice, that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. Verse 10, And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that there shall be the noise of a cry from the fish gate and an howling from the second and a great crashing from the hills. Friends, we'd better get serious. Jesus is coming soon, and the signs of the times are thickening. 
society is being pushed close to the precipice, and God's people are asleep, sound asleep. May God help us. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we see that the end is near. Society is about to descend to its lowest level. We pray that we will heed the instruction of the Lord. And as we witness these solemn events, help us to stay focused on Christ and come into our chambers when it is time. We pray that the Holy Spirit will be allowed to full access in our lives. Please make us recipients of latter rain. And may we live every day as though we expect the Lord to come at any moment. Please make us ready, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Like the woman at the well I was seeking For things that could not satisfy And then I heard my Savior speaking Draw from my well that never shall run dry Fill my cup, Lord I lift it up, Lord, come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up and make me whole. There are millions in this world The pleasure earthly things afford But none can match the wondrous treasure That I find in Jesus Christ my Lord Fill my cup, Lord I lift it up, Lord Come and quench this thirsting of my soul Bread of heaven Feed me till I want no more Fill my cup Fill it up and make me whole So children, if the things this world gave you leave hungers that won't pass away, my blessed Lord will come and save you if you kneel to Him and humbly pray. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord, come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed 
fill my cup, fill it up and make me whole. you have enjoyed this month's message and been greatly blessed by it. Your prayers and gifts mean much to us. Thank you for your support. The song you have just heard is called Fill My Cup, Lord. It is recorded on a CD with other beautiful hymns called Consecration. If you would like to have a copy of the CD, just send $16 postpaid to U.S. addresses to cover the cost, and we will gladly send you one. Please mention the Consecration CD. Other international listeners should send $20 USD. The following is our monthly prophetic intelligence briefing, a feature that brings you current events in light of prophecy, especially for those who love the appearing of Jesus Christ. We can see the signs of the times telling us that we are nearing the world's great crisis. May the Lord find us faithful. Our first item this month, Powerful quake hits off New Zealand, prompting evacuations. One of the biggest earthquakes to hit the South Pacific in modern history forced thousands of people in New Zealand to evacuate and triggered tsunami warnings across the world Friday. But it did not appear to cause injuries or major damage because it struck in remote ocean. The magnitude 8.1 quake was the largest in a series of tremors that hit the region over several hours, including two earlier quakes that registered magnitude 7.4 and magnitude 7.3. The earthquakes triggered warning systems and caused traffic jams and some chaos in New Zealand as people scrambled to get to higher ground, but their remoteness meant they did not appear to pose a widespread threat to lives or infrastructure. The largest quake struck about 1,000 kilometers, 620 miles, off the coast of New Zealand. 
One of the earlier quakes hit much closer to New Zealand and awoke many people as they felt a long, rumbling shaking. Quote, Hope everyone is okay out there, New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern wrote on Facebook during the night. After the largest quake, civil defense authorities in New Zealand told people in some coastal areas to immediately get to higher ground. They said a damaging tsunami was possible and waves could reach up to 3 meters, 10 feet. Emergency Management Minister Kiri Allen told reporters that people had followed the advisory. Quote, They felt the long or strong earthquakes and they knew to grab their bag and head into the highlands, she said. I can only thank and acknowledge the tireless efforts of the men and women from up and down the coast who knew how to act, when to act, and what to do. She warned that the threat could remain throughout much of the afternoon and people should not return home until authorities gave the all clear. Allen said evacuations took precedence over coronavirus distancing measures. The U.S. Tsunami Warning System also cautioned the quake could cause tsunami waves up to 3 meters, 10 feet, in Vanuatu, and up to 1 meter, 3 feet, in Australia, Fiji, French Polynesia, and as far away as Mexico and Peru. The U.S. Geological Survey said it was centered near the remote Kermadec Islands at a depth of 19 kilometers, 12 miles. The agency said in a report that the quake occurred at the intersection of the Pacific and Australia tectonic plates and eclipsed the largest quake previously recorded in the region, a magnitude 8.0 in 1976. It said the interaction between the plates creates one of the most seismically active regions in the world, and it has recorded 215 quakes there above magnitude 6.0 over the past century. Jennifer Eccles, an earthquake expert at the University of Auckland, said the quake was at the top end of the scale for those involving only the Earth's ocean crust. Quote, this is about as big as it gets, she said. She said most quakes larger than magnitude 8.0 tend to occur when a section of more robust continental crust is involved. The U.S. Geological Survey said the magnitude 7.4 quake was likely a foreshock that contributed to the larger quake, but that the first quake that hit closer to New Zealand was too far away in time and distance to have directly contributed. Officials in New Zealand had hours earlier issued a tsunami warning for coastal areas after the first quake struck off its northeastern coast at about 2.30 a.m. Friday. There were no immediate reports of serious damage or casualties and the warning was lifted just before the largest quake hit. The U.S. Geological Survey said the first quake was centered at a depth of 21 kilometers, 13 miles, under the ocean about 174 kilometers, 108 miles, northeast of the city of Gisborne. It was widely felt in New Zealand and residents in the major cities of Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch reported being shaken awake. In 2011, a magnitude 6.3 quake hit the city of Christchurch, killing 185 people and destroying much of its downtown. Quote, For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Matthew 24, verse 7. Next, as of 1st March, Sundays will be a rest day in Barbados. Sundays will be a rest day in Barbados as the country gears up for a phased reopening from Monday, March 1st, 2021. 
In an address to the nation last Thursday night, Prime Minister Mia Amor Motley said the gradual reopening was the method government had been advised to take. The Prime Minister stated that supermarkets will open from Monday to Saturday, but there will be no commercial activity on Sundays in those establishments, hardware stores, or any other store for the time being. Gas stations, she added, will open on Sundays, but not the mini-marts. She said that in addition to the existing 6 to 9 a.m. access to beaches and parks, people would be allowed to exercise and get a sea bath between 3 and 6 p.m. each day. She noted, however, that clothing stores, boutiques, hairdressers, and barbers were not permitted to operate at this time. Miss Motley urged those businesses not reopening on Monday to take the next two weeks to revise their existing protocols and practices so they would be ready when their turn came. She noted that the operation of gyms, massage parlors, and indoor and outdoor contact sports would be prohibited at this time, as well as the use of pleasure crafts. The Prime Minister outlined those businesses reopening from March 1st as construction, all forms of agriculture and farming, fishing, manufacturing, auto mechanics and repair, and other categories that will be defined in the directive. Hardware stores, appliance stores, farm and gardening stores, plumbing stores, electronics and IT and telephone stores. Restaurants and fast food establishments will be permitted to have curbside pickups, drive through and delivery. Administrative offices, professional services, parts and repair operations, and government entities such as the law courts, registry post office, the land registry, etc. will reopen, utilizing the minimum physical staff necessary to offer a satisfactory level of service to the public. Those persons who can function effectively from home should continue to do so, but those needed at the workplace to dispense product or services in those areas should report for duty. Those who work in the public service will continue to be guided by their permanent secretaries, heads of department or CEOs, in state-owned enterprises as to what is their appropriate attendance. Sunday closing laws are a prelude to Sunday worship laws. Notice that reopening shops and businesses due to COVID is used as an excuse to formally support Sunday closing laws. Quote, Satan puts his interpretation upon events. As they, leading men, think as he would have them, the calamities which fill the land are a result of Sunday breaking. Thinking to appease the wrath of God, these influential men make laws enforcing Sunday observance. They think that by exalting this false rest day higher and still higher, compelling obedience to the Sunday law, the spurious Sabbath, they are doing God's service. Those who honor God by observing the true Sabbath are looked upon as disloyal to God, when it is really those who thus regard them who are themselves disloyal, because they are trampling underfoot the Sabbath originated in Eden. Maranatha, page 176. Next, apocalyptic locust plague turns sky black as swarms ravage Middle East. Horrifying footage shows a swarm of locusts filling the sky in the town of Mahail in the Asir region of Saudi Arabia. 
In a nightmarish clip filmed by someone standing in the street on February 23rd, the locusts hang overhead like a swirling black cloud as they fly around outside people's homes. As the camera is turned around 360 degrees, it becomes clear nearby buildings are all completely surrounded by the ravenous insects as far as the eye can see. The footage continues for several more minutes and the locusts just keep on coming as the swarm apparently grows in size. The United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, FAO, has warned that swarms of crop-eating insects pose a threat to agriculture and pastoral livelihoods for millions of people spanning from the Horn of Africa, Djibouti, Eritrea, Ethiopia, Somalia, and Somaliland to Yemen. Authorities have failed to bring the locust plague under control after it exploded in 2020 following favorable weather conditions and seasonal rains. Although the locust swarm looks bad, it's still not as catastrophic as the infestations 2020, according to the latest situation report from reliefweb.int. It said the current swarms are smaller in size and less numerous and efforts to kill the locusts with aerial spraying and work on the ground has helped reduce their numbers. Locust swarms can travel up to 81 miles or more a day according to National Geographic. They use the wind to push them over vast distances and can stay in the air for long periods, such as non-stop trips across the Red Sea. Quote, If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Second Chronicles 7, 13, and 14 Next, Iceland Earthquake Strong 5.6 Quake Rattles Reykjavik Aftershock Strike According to the European Mediterranean Seismological Center, EMSC, the earthquake reached a magnitude of 5.6 on the Richter scale. The EMSC also reported the quake hit a depth of 10 kilometers in the capital and struck at 10.05 a.m. As of yet, there have been no reports of damage, although some indicated it had been a strong quake. One person said after the earthquake, quote, big quake, several aftershocks. A second said, quote, it woke me up. The house was shaking and there have been numerous aftershocks making the house wobble. I also heard the deep rumble somewhere of the quake. Such was the power of the quake. Some in Iceland reported feeling multiple aftershocks following the initial strike. One person said on Twitter, quote, Okay, we've had four earthquakes in the last half hour in Reykjavik. This is a bit unusual, I have to say. And as I'm writing this, here comes the fifth. Although Iceland is not situated on the Ring of Fire, where most of the world's volcanoes are, it is on the fault line of two tectonic plates. By being placed on the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, the country is located where two plates pull apart. Indeed, Iceland is mostly formed of volcanic eruptions which have occurred over a long period of time. Another person commented on today's earthquake, quote, well, the Reykjavik Peninsula has been rumbly this morning. Have felt five significant shakes in downtown Reykjavik so far and counting. 
Last year, the capital was hit by a separate 5.6 magnitude earthquake. Like today, no injuries or fatalities were reported. The country's Met Office, however, did warn of further quakes to hit the country. Although one of the most seismical active countries in the world, most quakes do not reach significant levels in Iceland. While earthquakes are often minimal, a volcanic eruption occurred in the country 11 years ago, which caused widespread disruption across Europe. Eyjafaya Loko spewed ash into the atmosphere which halted air travel across Europe for approximately three months. As well as mass travel disruption, it also caused the evacuation of certain areas of the country. Quote, For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Matthew 24, 7. Unfortunately, our time is up. Remember, there are more prophetic intelligence briefings on our website at ktfnews.com. It's been a great pleasure to spend this time with you. I hope you have been encouraged to live for Jesus, for we are near the end. Remember that God has a plan for your life and that right now you can make a new start with Jesus. Thank you for your prayers and support. And until next time, may God bless and keep you and your family in His loving and protecting care. Keep the faith.